Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the remake of the film Pet Cemetery, based on the original text by Stephen King. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com. Or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome in to episode 188 of Film Tank. As always, Alex Diekman, along here with Nick Cheney. Hey! And Toussaint Egan. Hey! We're back from the dead. Oh my oh. god, the ground is sour! See, that was better than any part of that film, but that's okay. We're going to get into it. Yeah, let's... <laughs> So, uh, on this episode, we are discussing the new-ish release of the film Pet Cemetery, which is a remake of a film from the 80s. That's an adaptation of? It's an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. Wow, they just don't know how to just leave well enough alone. It's almost as if dead is better. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's a good look on Nick's face right there. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into... Uh, we'll get into... The pet that part of it. Oh, yeah. But um, first, giving just an idea of who made this film and what it's about, if uh, you out there have not seen it, this film is directed by uh, co-directors uh, who have worked uh, together in the past, which is Kevin Koch and Dennis Widmeyer. What have they worked on? Uh, their most well-known uh, film, it looks like, is the film Mama. Oh, I didn't see that. I'm sorry, Mama. Well, I'm looking forward uh, to Ma. I never met yeah. You. Well, actually, hold on a second, because uh, I'm never meant to make you it says cry. The, the oh, Mama Two. They haven't even dire- they didn't even direct the original one. This is the upcoming sequel no. that may or may not be coming. I was gonna say out. I checked their credits and I did not see anything. No, it's it's a lot of very uh, under the radar so, <laughs> titles. So the question is how. Exactly, did they come to helm a Stephen King adaptation, a high-profile <clears throat> Stephen King adaptation, or were they just like directors for hires? Like, hey, well, yeah. we're gonna spin the roulette wheel, and we're gonna see. Is like, okay, this random dude, this random dude, you go at it. I want it done in like eight months, no reshoots. Give me my shit right now. Yeah, so, my guess is they were cheap. Yeah. 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 And so. it's a high-profile thing, you know. They just wanted to cut their teeth, you know. Like, God bless them. Like, that's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. it happens. This had a budget of $21 million, which it doubled in the first weekend. Oh, okay. Well, the studio will probably look at it as a success. Yeah, they'll get more work. I mean, to be be fair, I would say that's a success for a property that I would assume most uh, teen demographic don't care about these days. No. Because that's who people want. Teens don't read. Rated R, too. Yeah, they read Stephen King. So, you know, anyway. But I'm not the librarian here, so I wouldn't know what teens read. So. <laughs> uh, at the same time, I don't think this was ever thought of as being as successful as something like It was. Even no, though... I definitely think that 
maybe in production they were trying for that, but I do think along the way they figured that this was going to be a lot more minor. Hence the early April release. But it still sort <laughs> yeah. of exists in this. I, I, I think the reason why this was Greenland in the first place was like, one, it's a Stephen King property. He's like one of the most, if not the most well-known American horror writer yeah. well, alive and, today. And, and after the success of It, too, yeah. it just probably pushed oh, this Oh, Stephen kind of King's having a moment right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. A, a resurgence moment. A resurgence moment because there's this whole like 80s, 90s, like throwback sort of milieu. And, and like Stranger Things really is a, a a huge part of that, even though people forget about Super 8, which mm-hmm. precedes that in a lot of ways, I think is better in, as a concept than than, than yeah. Stranger Things. But it's 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 definitely like coming back to like the actual like source of like those kind of works that spawn this entire movement. Yeah, and I mean, even right now, like one of Hulu's most celebrated shows is Castle Rock. Yeah, which is not a Stephen King production so much as it's a large budget, uh, large scale Stephen King fanfic TV show where all of his properties and creations are existing in the same universe um, with somebody else as a showrunner playing with them, and actually to decent effect. Because I've watched a few episodes. Did I'm you watching. ever Did watch? You? I'm I'm really sorry. Whoa. I'm really Boys. sorry. Okay, yeah, boy. But I <laughs> ju- I've never seen an episode of Castle Rock, but I yes. saw a story about it earlier today, which I'm guessing will bring a big old smile to your face, Nick. About that, Garrett Headland is being removed from the show in the second season and he's being replaced by Paul Sparks. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that does bring a smile to my face. <laughs> what I, want. I mean, I actually kind of like Garrett Hedlund, but if you're going to replace him, then please with Paul, uh, Paul Sparks. Garrett. Please, you're just, um, please, Paul Sparks. Please. Garrett Hedlund is Paul, the guy please. who, was he like the lead for Tron Legacy? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, he's he's yeah. in that, but he's also been in like a lot of random good things, like Inside Lewin Davis. And what was he just in? Pan. No, no, no. no, no. Uh, um, he was just in Triple Frontier. Yeah, Triple uh, Frontier. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think he's underrated. I'm not saying he's. He's been in some good stuff. He's replaceable. Clearly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of um, Stephen King television adaptations, did you ever watch Kingdom Hospital? When I was younger, I did. I liked that show. Did you? I remember. I remember watching a couple episodes, and I remember like watching it all the way through. Now, do you do know what that is, right? I don't know what that Kingdom is. Kingdom Hospital is technically Stephen King remaking Lars von Trier's The Kingdom, which was a Swedish horror series that was on Swedish television in the 1990s. I did not know. But that. most people don't realize that that's where. Considering Stephen King is usually his own idea man, right? Uh, but no, that is. Uh, and if you like that, you should watch the Lars von Trier uh, miniseries okay. called "The Kingdom." I have the DVDs. Oh well, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I still have to watch The Prisoner. I'm just I'm trying to work my way through. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. It's good. It's really good. Okay. Anyway, continue. <clears throat> okay. So uh, this version of Pet Cemetery, uh, which basically I think the other one and the original novel centers around Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife Rachel as they relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two younger children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. So this film stars Jason Clark as Lewis. <coughs> what was that? He's boring. Okay. Sorry. Alright. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Claws are coming out. <laughs> Down, church. Uh, also, Amy Simitz as Rachel. 
Uh, and you will have potentially seen her previously in the uh, the film, the second film by Shane Carruth, uh, Shane Carruth Upstream yep. Color. But ah. also, uh, she's probably somewhat more well known for Alien Covenant, which is how she actually got this role. Apparently, mainstream wide, yes. Yeah. But also, just to her credit, as to how she is uh, in the in this industry, she is one of the co directors of the show currently airing on Stars, uh, the Girlfriend Experience. Oh, and she's doing some amazing directorial work. Wonderful. Uh, and she's got Steven Soderbergh's seal of approval because he's an executive producer on that show since they were adapting his property. So, wow. obviously, anybody in the school of Soderbergh uh, as an actor or director, which she's doing both, uh, is a big, Deep. big A-plus in my book. I was going to say, in the Nick Cheney book, it's That's at right. least high marks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other major player here is John Lithgow playing uh, the character of Judd, the next-door neighbor who yeah. uh, unfortunately leads to all of the bad things for the most part. No, he was like, don't do it. <laughs> Such an idiot. L- literally saying, you know what, why don't we just keep going after he's already literally went laying the groundwork to bury uh, the, the cat right there. Now, I will say that this version does one good little detail, which is in this one, uh, Lewis uh, puts him to sleep to go do the second one. Because <laughs> I feel like, I, I believe in the other one that's kind of like him just saying you're not going to do that right and he's like no okay good night <laughs> so this was a little better in that respect. yeah <laughs> although one thing i also did find interesting about judd's character is he was super mysterious specifically early in the film uh here which uh, i guess depending on how you've seen and i don't and we'll talk about this too i've never seen the original film never read the novel uh, but he gives off this really alternative motive vibe, which I think probably could have been expanded on a little more. But the the fact that or gotten rid of uh, because how of you're my, looking at it. Okay. Well, I'm just saying in the other version, it makes a lot more sense that Judd is actually just a good neighbor, mm-hmm. and like like a good neighbor. <laughs> pet cemeteries there. Yes. Like, only for, like, a few seconds should he be creepy because he's just this old guy who's coming over to say hello and warn about the trucks or whatever. But, like, there's, like, a whole scene in the, I believe in the novel, too, where Lewis goes over there to have a beer before any of, like, shit hits the fan and they talk about their fathers and whatnot. I will say, before we get into it, one thing I did actually quite enjoy, and just to go against for what you're saying, is I did like the idea of him being the one who finds Church the Cat and having it being yeah. a little bit mysterious as to how that all kind of happened. And he's like, look, I found him. He's dead. It's just like, eh, okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. I could understand yeah. where you could be like, well, I was well that's fine. I mean, I don't mean that's fine. Like, that's your, I mean, like, I, I'm i okay with that. Oh, okay. Just some of the posturing of like, like the hulking over like, oh, he looks like a scary old man. That's that's scary old man. That sounds like Gary Oldman. Uh, (laughs) I just feel like some of that could have just been tossed just to make a more humanistic approach. Because I think ultimately that's what Pet Cemetery is. Seems like they had a tough time making that hour and 40 minute runtime. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. Quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before we (laughs) get into our opinions on this, our former co-host Kenny was hoping to join us. Uh, and unfortunately, he was not able to make it for the Rest recording. Rest in peace, Kenny. Episode. We'll bury you in the pet cemetery. Ouch. Wow. First of all, you don't bury him in the pet cemetery. 
Apparently you do. I mean, do you not want him to come back? No, oh, I want him to come back. Well, then you got to go bury him in the Indian burial ground. Um, oh, that is true. Yeah. Um, oh. That's actually one of the funniest things I think for anyone who's a first time either reader or watcher of any version is like that there are two fucking cemeteries in a movie and book where the cemetery, like the actual pet cemetery is so fucking incidental yeah. to the Basically, to the entire plot. I think thematically it makes sense. Because it's, the fact that it's named Pet but, Cemetery would make you think that the entire territory of that, at least beyond like both the beginning part and the beyond part, are all the Pet Cemetery, quote-unquote. That's yeah. part of the magical but you're experience. But you're not going to have a, a, a Stephen King novel named Indian Burial Ground. Right. Not even him when he's like on cocaine and like during the 80s and shit and just totally like spiraling out of control. Yeah, if you want to see some really awful acting, watch the original movie <laughs> because at, uh, what's his name's, uh, uh, Gage? Gage. Gage's yeah, funeral. Yeah. Uh, he plays the priest that's presiding over the funeral. Oh, no. He's got those big old glasses. And anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, for me, Pet Cemetery, the location in the context of this story is kind of like... Uh, Incidental. Well, I was going to say it's kind of like... Um, uh, Frankenstein is the name of the scientist. Oh, you know, like it's yeah, yeah. it's been so warped as to what people mm. think about when they think about this story. Right, that it's actually not what it is. Yeah. So, anyway. The Wendigo lands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Hmm. So, I think Kenny might have a different take on this than the three of us. Yes. Um, so I will. Uh, I'll just read word for word what he sent to me right. about this uh, and his overall thoughts. Overall, I quite enjoyed Pet Cemetery. As a story, I've always enjoyed the story. Very well put. Uh, I was very excited to see what a modern take on the Stephen King classic would turn out to be. I believe it was beautifully shot. Interesting start. Uh, built It built great suspense and played on the horrific emotions evoked from the original version. Staying true to its origins, it still managed to take turns setting itself apart from the first time around without getting too far off point. Until the end, more on that in a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I view remakes of films similar to how I judge remakes of songs. If you're going to remake it, you might as well put your own spin on it. It doesn't need to be recognizable, but you don't want to waste everyone's time with a carbon copy. So I liked how there were some decisions to veer away from the original known story this time around. However, ultimately, the powerful message delivered by... Stephen King, regarding the parents grieving over the death of their children, felt undermined by a decision to ultimately kill the entire family this time around. It's not the worst idea ever put to film. However, it just didn't seem to be as impactful to me as when it was originally told. It also felt at times as though not enough time was spent developing the backstory of these characters. Sure, I know the story, but as a first-time viewer of any version of the story, it seems like it would be a bit of a stretch in some moments that could be a little hard to believe that there were some of the conversations were happening or decisions being made by certain characters. This is in all caps now, by the way. You mean to tell me that Lewis and Rachel waited to get married and have two children before discussing religious beliefs yes. and what happens after Absolutely. death? Absolutely. Yes. Go in, Kenny. Well, no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm not going to say anything now, <laughs> Yeah, but I've got some thoughts about that. Yeah. Okay, and, then, and that's well, present in all three versions. Yeah, to be fair. But anyways, after after his his rant here in all caps, there's nothing. It just says hmm. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so overall, 
I will let these small aspects slide as I really enjoyed the story and the nostalgia strongly. Happy to see a strong and respectable remake of a beloved film. <laughs> beloved. I would fall somewhere around a three and a half out of five. Okay. Can I say something yes. in Kenny's uh, to Kenny's credit, too, mm-hmm. before we maybe go through that? Mm-hmm. But one thing I do want to point out, uh, out of the four of us, uh, meaning the three of us here and Kenny's, uh, Kenny is the one who has had a child in the last this is true. Uh, yeah. couple of years, whereas the other three of us uh, have, not. have not. Which is funny because he mentioned, because me and Kenny actually saw the film together, and he talked about how he was... <laughs> Oddly relieved when he found out that the story was changed, yeah. that it was the girl instead yeah, of the I mean, son. Yeah, I mean, that's so... He, he, Kenny has a little boy at yeah. home. Yep. So he was saying, oh, it's just that much easier to step away from the story yeah. uh, because it being a son, you know, gets... My boy! I was going to say, yeah. So I, I just want to put that out there in the sense that, like, um, us three do not have that... Uh, Connection. Connection as to I do have a, a, two cats at home. Though. That's not the same though. You have like, could you fold them into one cat and then that cat would die and then you bury it in the pet cemetery and they come back? Well, yeah. What do you think you're gonna bury in the pet cemetery? A human? No, a cat. Anyways, yeah. It's <laughs> trying to bring it back around to talk about Church the Cat, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Let's talk about Church the Cat a little bit. I saw a great tweet really quick by A.A. Mm-hmm. A. Dowd who said that. I'm sure it, he loved this movie. I think he actually didn't hate it, but really, yeah. But he made a good. He likes to shit all over everything. Usually, so do I. <laughs> um, but he said that um, that the character motivation for resurrecting Church the cat makes complete sense, even if uh, any future resurrection doesn't, because it is just like a cat to one day be peaceful and then the next day be an asshole, so nobody would ever be the wiser. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? That actually is kind of a cat-like thing. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. It made me chuckle. During the scene where um, Ellie went to Judd's house and introduces the cat, and it's like, that's my cat, Church. He's named after Winston Churchill. Yeah. I was like, he's a guy who lived a long time ago. And then like in the theater, I was with my friend. I was like, he was also a racist. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well, the best part of I was going to say, technically, that's, it the, was included the, for a reason, yeah. and I was like literally in my head going, fuck you, Alex, fuck you, Alex, <laughs> fuck you, Alex, because that is one that before, I won't even say it, but before you say it, I will, yes, of course, that was put one of there. those things that you like that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, it was intentionally put in to reference another character played by that actor. Because he plays Winston Churchill in, in The, the Crown. Crown on Netflix currently. Oh, really? There's no way that that was and not And she asks him, do you know who Winston Churchill is? <laughs> yes, I know who Winston yeah, yeah. Churchill is. Oh, wow, So, great. anyway. I enjoyed that. I know you I'm I know, sure you did. <laughs> I know, I know you, you hate him. And stuff like that exists. I, I love it. It was so funny because when that happened, it's all like, in the same universe. Even, it's like now it's like I don't even hate moments like this. I mm. just hate the fact that Alex will watch moments like this and feel validated as a human being <laughs> and as <laughs> as a film goer. It's better than the house one, so that's fine. That is, I uh, yeah, that's yeah. probably the worst. Yeah. So, uh, opening remarks on on uh, this film. I was actually looking forward to this because this is the kind of horror that I usually gravitate towards in terms of my enjoyment. Um, And I thought this was pretty mediocre. I didn't necessarily despise it as uh, there are some people out there who really didn't care for this film. And I I don't fall into that group. But at the same time, uh, especially after the first, I would say, like 30 minutes, my interest level in this film sort of started to waver off. Which is a shame because... 
the last 20 minutes of this film should be like the absolute best part. And it felt like just kind of there for me. Um, all that being said, I thought that the performances were actually not that great either too. Uh, Jason Clark, who I've always enjoyed as an actor, uh, is, is Tucson did mention he's just a guy. He's just uh, a guy. He's just a milk toast guy. And, and just a guy. O- over the last, I don't know, five years or so, he's kind of just. I think he's burned really, out at this point. Well, what are you talking about? He was John Connor in Terminator Genesis. That was that, remember that movie, Terminator Genesis. Unfortunately, I very much do. Yeah, he was that. in Terminator Genesis, man. He uh, he uh, has gone nowhere but down over the last. He probably peaked, even if you don't love the film. Uh, his performance uh, in White Zero- House Down. Anyways, wow! His performance in I now remember that wow, his performance fuck. in Zero Dark Thirty is actually pretty much perfect. Same uh, thing, sure. Yep. Uh, so, performance-wise, other than John Lithgow, who's basically not able to be bad, he's just fantastic. Doesn't matter what he's given; he's just out there, just giving it his all. Agreed. Yep. Um, I thought every everybody else was just kind of okay here. I didn't think there was anything that was like shockingly bad necessarily. Amy uh, Simons, I thought, was very underutilized. Like, I don't think she did bad at all. But um, there could have been a lot more there, and there probably should have been based on what we have as far as a text and an original film that does more justice to that. Especially with the ending, where she is a major reason why we get the finale that we get. yeah, I I will say, man, and we can talk a little bit more about this when we're all kind of chatting about it. Yeah. Uh, but the execution of the storyline with her and her sister was terrible. I the thought. execution was, but that storyline, especially because oh, the storyline's not bad, right? I was gonna say it's so important to the overall story here, but I could totally understand a first-time watcher of this lore no idea watching this version and then thinking why was that even in there yeah yeah uh more because i think it's great to add to the to the dread and also the fear of her character um but at the same time it it almost seems like you get just like the bare minimum of of that part of the story where it's like and and also too i know that she's a kid so kids have have certain memories and whatever (laughs) and that that makes sense um I had a really, really tough time with the dumbwaiter uh, memory because it makes no sense that she sends the food up, then the food comes down completely, and then the body comes flying down right after. I don't know what the fuck happened there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that being in the original version, like the entire flashback of her taking care of her sister, mm-hmm. but I could have sworn the death was a lot more incidental and not like... Um, some weird freak accident that she caused. Like she was supposed to just be upset that the fact she that she didn't cause it because she <clears throat> no. Sent, she sent the here's the but here, I meant in her mind like yeah. because she clicked a button and whatever. Yeah. I believe in the original version, it's a lot more just that she, the sister passed one night when she was babysitting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just supposed to be a lot more grounded than that. But well, the other thing too uh, that I think was completely missed, and I'm assuming was not hit on to lead to a more of a surprise at the end, but I actually think it ended up going the other way, uh, is that the idea of her wanting her sister to die, I think that probably should have come up when we see her in her younger version. I think it would have made it more impactful for later on in the story. Yeah. Um, and also wouldn't have just kind of felt like it was something that the... 
I'm just recreated daughter just made up on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as I hand it off, uh, I will say the final 20 minutes of this film are very bizarre. Yeah, they suck ass. <laughs> Different terminology than I just used. <laughs> nah, it's but... fucking awful. Okay. It's fuck awful. <laughs> Anyways, um, I did quite enjoy, uh, for silly horror purposes, uh, the scene with Lewis and his daughter the first time when she's been brought back and her eyes are all fucked up and he's trying to like have a conversation with her and it is super, super awkward. And I yeah. fucking love it. What are you going to tell mom? It's a weird... What are you going to tell her? Like the, the whole second <laughs> half literally could be pretty much acted the same and maybe edited slightly differently and it could be a horror comedy. <laughs> like you don't you yes, don't have to put Edgar right no. on this shit. No, okay, I will say this. Oh, yeah, I just, literally laughed out loud which is in understandable. the theater. No, I literally laughed out loud in the theater because of this terrifically bad acting moment between uh the girl who plays uh whatever her name is, the daughter. Ellie. Ellie, yeah. And Jason Clark is they're trying to have this serious conversation about how dad, I can hear things outside and he's like the windows are closed. It just says it's so fucking stoic. And here's and it's just so he, it's, it's almost like he's no, I can hear it no, on the outside. No, stu- inside. stupid daughter. The windows are <laughs> no closed. stupid daughter that I literally yeah. just brought back from the dead, and who has like this lazy yeah. eye thing but going on. But that's the on. thing, and that that's why the writers of this didn't think about anything as to why the original story works. Because here's the thing: you can't make Pet Cemetery if you don't kill the cat and the toddler because none of the people that get killed and resurrected until the last five minutes should be able to form full sentences. Otherwise, it's just fucking weird and unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> so I will say I appreciate the effort, and that's where I'll leave it as I, I appreciate the fact that they wanted to try something different and have a character who could do exactly what we were talking about. Um, I think the execution is just probably uh, not what it should have been. Um, I will say, even though I thought the ending was pretty fucking stupid, um, the image of the three dead zombies walking up to the car uh, and uh, Church the Cat hopping onto the hood, um, and even though I haven't seen it, but I know the original story, having that be the complete inverse from the original, I thought was actually pretty brilliant. Um, and, and, and that sucks because that's just the end, and it's well, like, oh, where was the rest? Where, where like... Like, we ended up at a place that I actually think is pretty right. interesting, but the path we took to get there was a fucking disaster. If so. the tone of the movie had matched the tone of that final scene, mm-hmm. I thought that would have been a humdinger. Like, humdinger. If, it, if it genuinely wanted to get rid of all pretense of an exploration of grief and just turn this into a, mad, a schlocky, like, yeah, nightmare or yeah. whatnot, then that would have been fine. But it definitely is trying mm-hmm. to somehow reach the apex of that kind of whatever. But also have its punch line cake and eat it too. So yeah. uh, I have a lot more thoughts, but yeah. I yeah. think Tucson should go. Okay. Yeah. Second. This, uh, I didn't have any expectations for this film particularly. My history with Pet Cemetery is entirely. I think it's pronounced Cementary. Cementary? Oh, I. Pet, you pet, fucking pet. got you to say it. Yeah. Pet. God damn it. Yes. Pet Cementary. Oh! That's how it's spelled. I don't care. I don't. I don't fucking care. I'm just gonna keep on saying it because I win. Put that in the intro, please. Yeah, whatever. I don't it's normally already, make those requests. It's already done. That's great. Um, Do it right now. <laughs> so, pet cemetery or pet <laughs> cementary, 
as as Nick likes to put it, I don't have any sort don't of relationship. Don't put this on him. I don't have any sort of relationship to this property at all. Like my only sort of familiarity with it is based off of so many degrees of separation because I feel like this story, like so many other Stephen King stories, has uh, proliferated into um, the popular cultural consciousness to it's such in an the lexicon. Ex- like it's it's definitely in the lexicon where I think the first time I ever heard <laughs> um Dead is better, sometimes dead is better is from a South Park episode that I watched when I was maybe like seven or something like that. So really that's like the extent of like my familiarity with it. All I know is that you bury some shit in this graveyard. It's an Indian burial ground. You're not supposed to fucking do that, but you do it anyway because you're a stupid human and you have fucking stupid feelings. And then something comes out of it and it's not the same and it does evil shit. And you're like, oh my God, why did this happen? Because of your hubris, you fucking stupid idiot. I would argue that this is like maybe one of, not the, but one of the most famous realizations of the monkey's paw in fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not like, obviously the monkey's paw is the original, but I'm just no, saying. No, but like you make a wish and then the wish yeah. totally like backfires on you. Yeah, I, told, I, I, I get what you're saying. But uh, yeah, this film, I actually enjoyed the opening shot of the overhead of Judd's house on fire and then leading into uh, the tracking shot, the, the sort of shot that zooms in on the, the front door of the the house and seeing just like the trail of blood and like the the the, the set of footprints like leading into the I enjoyed that. No, I'm with as, you, as but somebody, I'm trying to actually as, remember. Like, does the film actually show us that? Yeah, yeah. they show us that. Yeah. Like, I I no no I don't mean in the beginning. In the beginning, it's I mean the first shot. I'm talking by the time the climax. Yes. I, we get to see. I know. Obviously, we, we, we see s- the house burning. Yeah. But do we understand why there's blood all over the property and whatnot? I'm saying I just like the first shot. I don't. I. Okay. I, I, I look. I, I, just feel like I saw disconnect- this late last night, and yeah. my memory of it is already faded. Which it's is like, understandable. And that's sort of my opinion about this film in general. It's like it's very unremarkable. It's very unmemorable. Um, I jumped at a couple of the jump scares just because I'm a scaredy cat. But you could pretty much set a fucking. You could. You could set a fucking watch. We'll bury to you. so many of these, uh, to these jump scenes, like these. None jump- of them were imaginative, even if they None were of them, no. loud. Because no. I'm with you. You know, I think that uh, Jason Clark is a boring milk toast actor, and I don't like him in anything. Um, what? I think that. Really? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't like him. I think oh. he's boring. Yeah. I mean, I never. I'm with you, Alex, but I wouldn't also go to bat for him. Yeah, I wouldn't go to bat did, for him. Didn't ever. like him in uh, the second Planet of the Apes. I didn't even remember that he was in that. That's the point. Like, That's I like, racist. No, I didn't remember that he was in that. Literally, you like, only like, remember like, he was he was only, he, he was. Uh, I know. Only remember I know, the exactly. Apes. And that's the point. Like at most, he is competent, and he is already eclipsed by every other fucking person. The man who's in a fucking motion capture suit playing Caesar is more charismatic and more interesting than fucking Jason Clark on uh, on any other day. On more more remarkable and more memorable okay, on any other day. That's a uh, I will say that's a little bit not fair to compare him to I'm and, sorry it's to, not fair. Andy Serkis doing motion that's, capture. That's my like that's my opinion. He's okay. unremarkable. Anyways, obviously you don't know his best work as you have not seen Serenity. So <laughs> maybe someday you'll be lucky enough to watch it. The only serenity that I acknowledge is the the Joss Whedon film, okay? And I don't recognize any other fucking film called Serenity. If you anyway, ever want to watch that, uh, you'll be I watching won't. it by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I really – the main draw for me with this was uh, John Lithgow. I mean he starred in Third Rock from the Sun, so 
for me, he can do no wrong. I love that show. It is a, a classic. And just driving to the studio today, I was like, oh, man, I really fucking love that show. I want to watch that again. It's like it's been a dog's day since I watched that John, on television. John Lithgow is an absolute treasure. Oh, yes, he is. And a national treasure. I I think – I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm the one who brought it up, but maybe – I know I bought the tickets for us to go. But yeah. year, years ago – I mean, this is like four years ago now? Mm-hmm. Then he was in Aurora? Yeah. Yeah, I remember me, that. Me and Nick went to go see him just perform a one-man reading of stories. That was uh, crazy because it's not what I thought it was going to be. I didn't and think I think it was going to be either. Right. And yet, because he's that good, like that's how good he is, is that even though I was completely like, oh, this is not what I thought we were buying tickets to, uh, what he had to offer instead was just as fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and the, the idea of him doing this extremely horror centric story at the beginning and then he did a 180 and did a com- comedic story the second time that's interesting um and it actually worked together i mean not story-wise didn't go together but yeah. you know his transition from one to the other went basically flawlessly i mean yeah. he's just a fucking delight i mean yeah, for me you, you that, hit him hard and then you sort of like fluff them up afterwards like you know. yeah. yeah i mean for me that night was over in like a flash which i mean like in a, in good, a good way because yeah. other, if you're not enjoying something like that then it's like oh boy it's oh, so long is he gonna leave the stage now yeah, <laughs> yeah no he was but he was he was great but he's i mean i've always been a huge fan and that the, his his career is ridiculous. Like yeah. the fact that he was the villain in cliffhanger and has, has, you know, made it from that to third rock from the sun to the crown to fucking interstellar. Like, yeah. yeah. Orange. Oh County. my God. Yeah. Orange. He's County. actually great. Orange yeah, County is a fucking great movie. Play, playing the father. You're, right about You're yeah. not oppressed. You're not gay. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my God. That was, we need to do an episode on orange County someday. We would. Oh my God. <laughs> It's a, what the fuck? That's, that's a Have fun. you ever seen that? I've seen it. No, I've okay. seen it multiple times. Yeah. That's like the best movie that's ever come out of like MTV films back yes. when they were doing that shit. Like, well, that and Election, because I always forget that that was an MTV film. Okay, yeah. Even yeah. though it doesn't really feel like one. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a fun time. We were just talking about this uh, yeah. today uh, at work, actually. Films of that era uh, were all rated PG-13, and they are all horribly oh, aged yeah. now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like you, people using uh, homophobic, homophobic homophobic slurs, slurs yeah, left mm-hmm. and right. Oh, oh yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. But of... that movie, honestly, we watched it, Alex. You and I, we, we watched it like a couple of years ago, and it held up. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying every line, but like in general, it's that... usually my go-to now in terms of a short film delivering its message. But that's like hour and seventeen. Who minutes. was the actor who played the professor? That the Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Oh, I like him too. Yeah. He was really good in that too. Anyway. Uh, going back to Pet Cemetery, I would much, Pet I, I would much rather like talk about John Lithgow's uh, illustrious career, but we're going to talk about this, uh, which, as bad as it is, it can't dampen his illustrious career. Um, yeah, the girl who played Ellie, what's her name? The the actress. It doesn't really matter, I'll does find it? Out. Yeah, well, she was um, fine. I mean, I, yeah, child. she was fine. Like you, you look at her and she's like, "Yeah, that's a Stephen King girl. She's gonna die and then she's gonna come back all creepy and stuff." She's already got that sort of like the makeup. Like it just, it just sort of works. Like yeah, Jete Lawrence. Jete Lawrence. Oh, what a pretty name. Yeah, she, she was okay. She must be friend. Oh my, her career has not been great. She was been in this and the Snowman. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, you know she was she was all right in this. Um. Uh, I like the cat. The cat's cool. Can I tell you some fun? There's there's multiple cats. Yeah, there is. If you uh, if you wanna, what? There's two cats. 
uh, actors. There was eight, actually. What? Yeah. Or not. Uh, Why is there like a viral meme going around right now that was saying that one played the mean cat and the other one played the... Nope. I got uh, two actually, versions. I was, I was going to bring this up. Two uh, versions. If you want to go... It's not like a fantastic article or anything like that, but Slash Film did an article about it. Uh, there were eight cats, and they all had a very specific trait that they could do. That's usually with cats. From, from whether it be being cuddly or hissing... Uh, or scratching, or that kind of thing. Um, there were eight of them, and apparently it was... It, the, the article is great because it's someone who is a cat person. Uh, the idea that basically the scenes that the cats were in took a lot longer than any of the other scenes because they had to fucking wait for the cats to get their shit together. Yeah. I love Prima reading Donna's. about that kind of shit versus when they have a dog, and they're always like, yeah, we had two dogs. Yeah. One had to do all the tricks, and the other one just had to sit. Like, yeah. Also, dog life. That also they brought one of the cats to the premiere and put a, put a regular tie on him, oh, and it's adorable. That yeah. is adorable. So, yeah, we're looking at the is. picture right now. It's but cool. like I, um, <laughs> I read about the same kind of thing with uh, Inside Lewin Davids, which makes me even laugh even harder because this movie, you actually have to have that cat do a lot of things. Where mm. inside Lou and David, that cat was for the most part just a passive character who just had to be in the scene. So the idea that they still needed like six or seven cats just to be a fucking cat <laughs> uh, just cracks me up. Anyway, the horror in this film isn't that scary. I jumped at a lot of jump scares because I'm a scaredy cat, but you could set a stopwatch to it. Um, I think that the acting is pretty subpar. I think that John Lithgow did what he did, whatever. whatever. He's, he's okay because he's John Lithgow. He can make anything like work if he like works at it hard enough. Um, um, I wanted to ask a question of the people who have actually seen the original Pet Cemetery film. or or So that read. would be Nick. Yeah. Hi. Um, so uh, the scene My where name is... your name is Nick. Your name is Nick. Anyway, <laughs> what? Your name is Nick. Anyway, um, that's semen. When when sorry, Judd is in his house and yes. he's getting the gun and like there's the um, Achilles tendon scene. Yes. Is that in the original film as well? Yes. Okay, that is like my my absolute fucking fear and phobia. Yeah. Just like things happening to my feet, things happening to my fucking tendons. Yeah. Like fuck, I gotta walk on those, man. Just can leave my fucking feet we alone. I would say roughly the Judd house section is the exact same as far as how yeah. he dies, how he's killed, other than who's doing it. But yeah, yeah. Kenny was uh, telling me that that's one of his favorite things is anyone uh, being stabbed with the Achilles tendon. I'm like, that's really specific, but okay. Yeah, like when I we that. when, when that's in the trailer, by the way, which I thought was really. I mean, I guess if it's in the original, it's fine. But yeah, it's like yeah. remember this scene, we did it again. It was <laughs> like the 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 part in. I know this is a throwback, but when we went to go see a quiet place and the mm. the scene where she like steps on the fucking nail, like fuck, nothing's worse. God than... damn it. Nothing's worse than Marv stepping on the nail in the original Home Alone. <laughs> because that really wasn't a trope before then. That was oh, the first time. Oh, that was just God. disgusting. Yeah. Why did you let this happen? Oh, God. That's because there's feathers and it's just so well, dirty. Daniel Stern's incredible reaction. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Too bad that didn't happen in a quiet place. I bet that film would have ended a very different way. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this film is uh, boring. It's really boring. It's really bad. I fucking hated that ending. I liked it up to the point with like them walking up to the car, but then... You didn't like that? As, okay. soon, as, as soon as it ended on the, uh, the, the, the car unlocking sound, like my friend who I went to go see this with burst into laughter at that. Wait, did it? 
and, it, and the car unlocked. Yeah, it unlocked. Oh, yeah, it like, I didn't hear that. Like, yeah, only because I I'm hard of hearing. So yeah. I genuinely thought it was an ambiguous ending. That just actually makes me like it less. Yeah, I yeah, thought exactly. The idea was that yeah. it would just end at that moment because you were he was told not to open the door for yeah. anybody. Yeah. So I thought that was a funny ironic ending. Yeah. But if they actually this is, put this that is, this noise is another in case there, of like having your cake and eating stupid. it too and that shit. Like so, my friend like burst into laughter and I was like, "That's not. I don't like that at all." I I literally was just shaking my head. I was like, "That's so fucking stupid." That literally deflates whatever. Like it, it, it's like the most like imagine you're trying to like inflate a hot air balloon and you give such a half ass effort that it's like less than a fourth of the way and, and you blow it and then and then at the end wow. it just like lets whatever you air know, was in that and i'm just like wow it's you know, like you know what's you, interesting you didn't even try you know what's interesting about that what this is just a thought my guess is that was edited in post after it was screened for uh, so that there's some kind of clarity. We don't know whether they open it or not. You gotta let the this fucking is the kind car of film. Alarm. No, that's this is like absolutely. kind of film that would very much listen yeah. to those kind of notes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that also could be why I didn't even hear it because it's such a throwaway, like added on noise and not something that's actually natural to. The because way it's apparently, edited. from another story I was reading about this particular film, uh, this version at least. Mm-hmm. There were three different endings that they screened for test audiences. Oh, this, of course. And this was the most diabolical out of them. Oh, boy. Apparently, one of them was almost like a happy ending, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it didn't make um, sense. But that's okay. Yeah, uh, this... Um, uh, what, what can I say about this film that I haven't already said? Because there's really... Yeah, you pretty I mean, much shit all over there's it. Not, there's not a lot to say about it. It's... Um, yeah, it's It's boring. It's fucking boring, and I and I and I don't like it at all. Um, Nick, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm a fan of Pet Cemetery: The Story. Uh, I Pet haven't what? read the. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Ah. <laughs> it's uh, it's what happens when your semen has dysentery. Oh my um, god. So. <laughs> what the fuck. Why do you have me on this podcast if you're just going to be ashamed of all the things I say? I don't know why. <laughs> um, I ask myself that every day. You've been on like 195 of these things. It's kind of hard to disinvite you now. So. Aw, that's sweet. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, he just shows up. He's like fucking church. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of this story overall. Uh, not necessarily this version, but I... No matter how cheesy the eighties movies uh movie is, uh and I haven't read the book, although I have always been interested ever since I uh saw the original movie, uh I I just think it totally nails even if sometimes if it's a little clumsy, uh the idea of how grief can make us do unspeakable things mm. and just kinda erases all rational thought if we are given the chance at something that seems idyllic uh in our grief stricken minds that is in actuality just a fucking nightmare. Um, and I don't think this film understands that whatsoever. Um, or if it does, it's not concerned with it whatsoever to the point where it would rather laugh at it. And, and it's because of that, that I just find that this film is an ultimate failure. Um, okay. So this is, uh, Kenny's right in the sense that this movie makes a very crucial change and I think it does do that because it wants to play the whole remake card that's fun for everyone. People who are fans of the story and people who have never seen it before. You're going to see your favorite scenes, but they're going to be contextualized in a totally different way. And you're going to 
bring out some new meaning out of it. No, we're just going to see the same things over again because you like that. But you, Yeah, but the thing is you don't see the same things over again because what's confusing is that all they did was change that part, which means that everything that follows that moment uh, is actually just dumber than it could possibly be, and it um, doesn't make any thematic sense. So. Is- the truck in the original film? Oh, yeah, the truck, the highway, and the trucks that always zoom by. I mean, that's the whole conceit. Yeah, the real cosmic horror is fucking corporate America that allows this to happen. And why didn't you fucking sue that company for gross negligence? Because that guy decided to, like, look at his phone because he's getting a call from Sheena on his fucking flip phone. <laughs> I will yeah, say, what? in the in the original version, uh, Gage, the little scamp, uh, runs out in front of the truck in a much more like here he's just in the street for a good so the idea that he i'm not saying that gage is to blame i still don't know why they didn't pursue legal action um i actually think uh and i don't know how it plays out in the original but uh the parents are to blame oh and they are in the movie they're fucking sending the kids off in different directions i agree and and yeah they are in the movie and actually in the movie there's no birthday party they're literally the original the original yeah um and in the uh, novel from what i've read is i from what i've read the 80s version is basically a pretty page to screen adaptation uh uh, and in the original it's judd uh, and the family out at a picnic uh, over closer to on the other side of where on the other side of the street closer to Judd's house than their house and what's great is that they already throughout the picture of the original have Gage kind of walk toward the street a few times where they're like have to run and grab him and like you can't do that so it's like by the third time and he does it it's unfortunately fatal and I know that that sounds like oh maybe like it's bad writing but if anything I think it's more realistic like they wouldn't learn from their you know mm-hmm. uh, child's behavior and then the one time he did it when it was just too late it's just even more awful because it kind of is their fault and that's part of the grief that here as much as it is their fault because they're bad parents and didn't didn't quite figure it out it's also just kind of like a freak accident because they were at a party and whatever uh i'm just saying the correlation there is not as strong as it is in the original version where it makes it pretty clear that they should have been watching him like a hawk because he had a tendency to walk out into the street why did the doctor not just kill the cat with a shovel when he let it go (laughs) When he let the cat go. Yeah, oh, when he was, when he was, gonna, think... when he was gonna euthanize the cat, when he was gonna put the cat down, and the cat kept on scratching him like, fuck you, stupid cat. And well, like... because in the original version, he does euthanize the cat because it makes a lot more sense. And that's actually, so, okay, so here's the thing. I'm gonna talk about the difference between this movie and the original, um, both the novel and the film, starting from the point in which the truck arrives, because I think that's where this film ultimately fails. So that's where it's a, it, it, the, the truck <laughs> arrives and it literally just forks in the road. And yes, <laughs> and, and and not only that, but because this movie also wants to kind of slap you across the face with this change, because it puts Gage in the street only to have him be the reason why the truck swerves and then capsizes over Ellie, is kind of a just a fucking disgusting choice in the my The timeline opinion. diverged. Yeah, it, it just makes it so trivial and all for the point of remake uh, and remix, whatever. Remix! <laughs> bum, 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 bum. World Star Exclusive yep. Pet Cemetery. Yep. yep. And <laughs> so for that to happen in such a garish way when this movie is trying to take these things seriously, I, that was the first mistake. Not to mention the fact that we don't get to see a child get crushed by a truck. I'm sorry, but <laughs> Uh, if you're even, gonna remix Put Cemetery, why even why even bother if you're not gonna go go all the way? I agree. And, and, and it, 
it would have made sense if they tried to make it rated PG thirteen at least, but it's R rated. Right, that's like, why I was like waiting and whatnot. Yeah. But and I said to you before yeah. we saw it, and of course I had no idea R. how wrong that I would be. Uh, <laughs> but I literally said to you in the podcast, I'm like, they better show us the centerpiece because that's just fucking chickening now. I'm like, but it's 2019, and I feel like they're just like, we can't do that. And sure why? enough. I don't know because even though it's supposed to be, I you're supposed to be uncomfortable with it. It's supposed to be a, a dis- American. It's 2019. Really, yeah, yeah, but no, no. There, there is uh, <clears throat> not killing kids on screen is still a very much a thing. Okay, so we need to wait till the second term. Okay, that's cool. Sorry. I mean, but I mean, you could have. I'm not been, saying would, we need to see her like I was, dragged onto the concrete. It would or, have had to be a split second thing, right? Yeah. But that's all. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm talking just show an impact of a rag doll yeah. uh, getting smushed. Yeah. So they didn't scare a movie. They, yeah, that's true. Different effect. Yeah. Um. So anyway, from that point on, this movie does not have the heft in its writing to support this major change because it doesn't realize why King wrote it the way he did to begin with. Um, for Ellie to serve, uh, to to be, to die, instead of Gage, changes quite a few things. And I'm going to kind of go through them, and that's going to be my opening thoughts in general. But, okay, A, uh, if Ellie is the one that dies, uh, and then is resurrected, obviously, um, her whole talk in the beginning about being scared of death just goes out the window because she's supposed to technically, even if though she's a child, she's supposed to go through the grieving process uh, just like her parents are when uh, Gage is killed because she uh, is going through a fucking awful time after she's been moved to this place. And so the talks between the parents and her just feel so fucking hollow in the wake of the fact that it's not even her character that has to live past a, uh, a moment that no child, let alone an right. adult, should have to reckon with. Right. Uh, B, when the mother takes Gage away, because in the original it's flipped, it would be uh, Ellie goes away with her. Okay. (laughs) It makes no sense that they literally bent over backwards to insert the same plot device for Gage that would have worked a lot better with Ellie, where when Ellie is over there with uh, her mother and her grandparents... like, she says in the original movie, she starts having the same exact nightmares that Lewis was having uh, in the beginning about the ground is sour. Mm-hmm. Okay, She's nine years old, so she can actually articulate that. The fact that the mother in this movie is somehow able to fucking pick up on the nightmares that we as the audience are never even shown, yeah. but that her child is who able to say, oh, co- he's, oh my God, our one-year-old is having the same dreams that you are he having. keeps on saying you know? the name of the guy who died. That's just, no, no, it's just no. fucking stupid. I will say there is one part of that that I actually somewhat disagree with you. Bec- no, no, What's hold that? on. Uh, earlier in the film, when Ellie is drawing um, and Lewis comes upon the one drawing yeah. that is kind of a very, very vague, you know, drawn by a little, small child. Uh, and it was a drawing of the man who was killed right. there. So I think, I mean, I'd, first of all, yeah, it was drew, just a who stick drew this? Figure. It was Gage. No, I'm just that, saying that's not what it is. It's, that's what I'm. That's good. that's okay. Yeah, but that's. I think that's what yeah. he was going for. Again, he's fucking a year and a half old. Yeah, like I, children's drawings are just a like trope. Okay, you I'm saw just it, saying. You saw I love, it, I love how it next. Like, well, I'm not impressed. Well, I'm, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I, all I'm saying this is, is that your this is your expressionist. Even if he period. drew that, 
the mom didn't. Yeah. The mom didn't see that drawing. All I'm trying to say is the idea that the mom is actually articulating something as stupid as my one-year-old who can't even speak full sentences was somehow able to convey to me that he's having the same exact nightmares that you've been having that you've never told me about. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. When a nine-year-old could come to your bedside and say, "Mommy, I just had a dream where a man told me the ground is sour," and like that triggers a memory, and you right. know, even if she doesn't understand right. it, that makes whatever. Sense. It's just whatever. I want to talk about one aspect of this film that. I feel like I see it in a lot of contemporary films and it's like it's 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 an element it's a trope it's a visual trope that I've been very curious about and I want to see if you guys have picked up on it also right what the fuck is with the use of ballerina imagery and ballerina shots in order to sort of punctuate horror because I've seen that not only in us I've not only seen that in this I've also seen that in like it's in the John Wick trailer it's in the John Wick it's in the John Wick trailer and it's also in the Avengers like Age of Ultron <laughs> thing like what the uh... fuck no that's used to be like some type of creepy punctuating like moment and I'm try- trying it, to understand it, 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 why as, as is someone, that as someone who oddly just uh, happened to watch Age of Ultron again last night oh just pulled that out of the bag oh shit sure. Why? I mean, it kind of... But I like it. That's okay. I'm the only one, but that's fine. That's well, fine. and also, I mean, the movie's coming out. Oh, okay. That does actually make sense, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the reasons why I've been catching up on a couple of the Marvel movies again. Yeah. Okay. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. I mean... It's Christmas. It does fit into uh, what Black Widow's past is, which is why it's included. It just, I'm not saying, it, it, I'm not it, saying it, that it's... It isn't there I'm for not saying no that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's arbitrary and it's not there for no reason, but I see this popping up and its usage in order to punctuate like these creepy sort of moments of juxtaposition and i'm trying to understand what is it with ballerinas and so, horror that work together a, a version that's not a horror film but i think it, that's going for a similar thing of what you're talking about was just used in the movie red sparrow yeah where an assassination attack is basically happening concurrently with a ballet performance yeah and it's moments of violence that are then punctuated with this sort of like regal like sort of (laughs) elegance choreographed elegance my thoughts on that is that i think it's a highbrow lowbrow type thing where Uh. people think that because horror is looked at as one thing um if you inject it with classical forms of art that most people don't go out of their way to see and i say most people just meaning the mainstream audience of who's probably going to sit down and watch a movie like pet cemetery in the theater Mm. uh uh, the remake of pet cemetery in the theater that they will just let that be a signifier of quote-unquote oh we have aspirational qualities yeah gravitas and aspirational qualities in that as well it's like it's just very interesting like i want to dig more into that like it's it's and i and i haven't seen i think it's it started with Black Swan. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think been it on predates the, that. I feel like. Well, there, no, no, there's, no, no, no. I don't mean that. The, it are you talking about like the originated the, the modern? I'm saying the trend, the, the contemporary yes. trend of that originates with Black right, Swan. Right. Yeah. I don't mean that. Which yeah. that, that film is? That's what that film is about. I know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The but juxtaposition. I mean, ever since there. then, people got the itch of like, oh yeah, we could uh, throw that in. We there. just put ballerinas and everything, and, you yeah. know. It'll be... Again, that's literally what that story is about. Yeah. It's not just a. I. From what you were saying, I haven't I, seen it yet. So what's that? I haven't seen Black Swan. That's a really good film. We should review it. Tonight. It's one of Darren Aronofsky's better films. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually very good. Like, why would you rank that? Like, um, like in like just off the cuff, like where does that rank? Is it like number two, number three on like his best films? I mean, for me, it's his. It's my favorite film of his. Oh, okay. It's 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 up. I mean, 
The Wrestler is your favorite film of his, yeah. I'm guessing. And where is Requiem for a Dreamfall? Three, four, lower. I don't, know. I don't really want to watch any of his other than Black Swan or The Wrestler. Oh, okay, yeah. Black Not S- even Noah. Black Swan's uh, a Noah. Noah. <laughs> Black Swan's a fantastic. Film. Although I do have no. Wait, that's not one of his films. Never mind. I was thinking of somebody else. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, no, those, those are the only two films I want to watch of his. I've never actually seen Pi, and I'm actually... I like Pi. I was going to say, I'm sure I would actually be okay with it. Yeah, uh, like the movie, I've, I, I've seen Pi. But I, like I don't know that I would like... It would change my opinion on Darren yeah. Aronofsky. I mean, that used to be like the hipster like film goer film back when I was in undergrad. It was like, oh man, have you seen Pi? And I'm just like, yeah, I watched it in high school. It's okay. We don't have to, but you guys to do an episode on Black Swan next week? Fuck yeah, let's do it. What, do what it. better reason for me to like finally like sit down and finally watch? I actually just recently finally sat down and watched Neil Blomkamp's uh, Elysium. So um, you loved it. I fucking hated that <laughs> film. And I'm like, wow, this is the most heavy-handed schlock of, a, of an allegory that I've ever watched. And this man is going to be responsible for a new uh, canonical sequel to RoboCop. Fuck that shit. I can't believe I ever co-signed this guy doing anything, let alone in the Alien universe, let alone in uh, the RoboCop universe. Like, why does this guy keep on getting work? I know that's pretty aggressive, but honestly, I'm kind of aghast because his premises are much more interesting than his actual in- execution. And he should really, like, team up with a scriptwriter who actually knows what the fuck he's doing. So that was just my uh, out of nowhere Blomkamp uh, screed in the middle of our that pet cemetery. Really was out of nowhere in our in our in our pet cemetery uh, review because that is essentially more interesting to me than an actual film of pet cemetery. That's so, fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll just really quickly say that uh, this version of the film. Uh, for Jason Clark's character of Lewis to have to have these conversations with his dead daughter um, just makes the whole ordeal kind of a chore to watch instead of being a slightly more surrealistic version of uh, that kind of monkey's paw wish. Um, because you kind of understand why he would just try to remain calm and ride this out because I'm not saying she's not creepy looking and it's not yeah. weird or whatever, but like he made the choice so he's not going to kill her and Till she does something like awful, you know what I mean. Whereas in the original, like it, it's there's something off from the beginning to the point where, uh, well, in this case, it's with the baby. But because it's like a cat, uh, a toddler can't really do much other than what it could have already done before it died. So it's just kind of creepy. Like, is this how I remembered this person, or is this not? And with when Ellie comes back, it is so clear that she's not. So it it's just kind of stale from the from the minute uh, that she shows up. Um, yeah, the the idea of this film wanting to do both things, and as a, as you've put, have its cake and eat it too. Um, I think sort of is a discredit to the idea of the filmmakers trying to make something different out of something that's the same. Whereas I feel like they tried to think of the best possible ways to abruptly change the story. And this was the best that they came up with. And instead of thinking we should work on this for a while, they thought we've done it. And then they they put it into action. I'm not against the idea of switching the whatever, but it's like they just switched that. And then they copy the rest of the story. The exact same. Yeah. And there, that makes no sense. And other than the last scene in and of itself, because in the original, 
um, after Gage has killed his mother, which is actually a great scene in the original movie because the mother is outside the house, kind of terrified about what she might find in the house because she knows there's a lot of shit going on. And she gets got. And oh, she hears the voice of her sister, and the grief of that lures her into the house only to see Gabe and Gage. Uh, Gage. Keep on doing <laughs> God that. God fucking damn it. Yeah. <laughs> pet uh, cemetery, pet cementary. Well, Gabe, that's just Gage. me correcting what it should be. Yeah. Um, uh, only to see Gage uh, standing there and creepily laughing at her as a toddler. Uh, and what I love is that in that scene, like, all he's doing is being a baby, but kind of a shitty baby. Uh, I'm so the baby, she, gotta love me. <laughs> so she leans down to pick him up anyway, and of course he, like, slits her throat. Yeah. Um, but the punchline of... The original movie could also be seen as a joke, but in my opinion, it's more of a joke in a very sad way, whereas this is more of a, like, ha-ha, this is, you know, they're fucking zombies, like, <laughs> motherfuckers, we changed it, um, because in the original, when... <laughs> also, this film was probably about five years too late to the zombie party, also. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the original, when um, Lewis wakes up from his nap, basically, because he's able to take a nap through all this shit. Um, <laughs> hey, he's been tuckered out, man. He's kinda, gone through actually, a lot. It kind of makes a little sense. Like, he's been awake for, like, three days straight, so he yeah. just kind of crashes. Um, but he gathers together... Um, uh, all of his, all these needles, and that's where being a doctor comes in. And he euthanizes the cat and then his own child. And I feel like the image of a human euthanizing their child in the same way you would to put down a cat. Yeah. Okay. That's very pet cemetery like. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that image is lost here. And then because he goes through the motions of doing all that, um, he then, what I love is the irrationality of his grief is still present even after he solved his problem because then he takes the wife and takes her to the burial ground because he's still to that moment thinking, well, it's been less, even less time that the wife has been dead than um, uh, Gage or the uh, cat. I gotcha. And then he brings her straight to there and then waits in his kitchen until she comes back to him. And then the final moment is her coming back and going to give him a hug as she grabs a knife as it like fades to black. And I think it's genuinely kind of uh, emotionally devastating because you could read that as one of two ways. You could actually say that he knew that that would happen, but, yeah, he, but just he just kind want, of he wanted, wanted to, to be with her. Right. Or that he didn't know that was happening because he's just going to be going down right. this cycle of grief. Yeah. And all that nuance and that kind of introspection of how a person is dealing with both the grief of unexpected things, but the grief of your own choices and mm-hmm. the regret that's coupled with that. There are no good choices. Yeah. There's just... It, it's But it's completely uh, void and vacant in, in a film like this. Yeah. Can I say, and this is yeah. a really, really random offshoot... Um, but I recently just watched like a third of this film and especially the scene I'm going to talk about age of Ultron. No, uh, although I did just watch it yesterday. Um, but, uh, the specifically pet with pets and grief, um, a dog's life. No. Homeward uh, bound. You're just naming anything that has pets. This yeah. is not going well. The secret life of pets. I was going to say that next. Two. actually. Yeah. Second one. No. Louis C.K. will not be back. No. <laughs> wow. 
if it was just like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Louis C.K. will not be back yeah. <laughs> before any of that shit actually happened. That'd be incredible. Why is he not coming back? Oh, they knew. Why did they still let this come out? Anyway, hopefully there's not a scene in which they take Louis C.K.'s dog to the pound and then just like put it down. I hope so. It's just a silent what? scene. He's the main character for the children, you know. Yeah, they just replaced him with some other person. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the scene in I Am Legend where uh, Will Smith has to kill his dog that has become a a, a zombie is oh. pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie yeah, it is. ever. Ever. Oh. I remember when that came out, and then I was meaning to see it, but never did, and then I never really had it. It's not the greatest. I was meant to read the book. I never did. I needed to read the book. Hmm. It's really good. This is a good conversation. Okay. Really, really digging deep here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, ah, man. Yeah. I guess we can just continue discussing everything that happens after the daughter comes back, because I think that's where the film really tries to plant its flag uh, in, in probably mostly a bad way. Yeah. The, the idea of um, the daughter kind of creepily dancing around with the mask on yeah. uh, in Judd's house, I actually kind of liked. Um, but at the same time, that was just one of those things that was put in there to look cool, and it worked for me. But it, um, I feel like that's another discredit to these filmmakers is that they had nothing really for this film. They had things that kind of maybe looked cool, and that's all they were going off of. And they had really nothing. Stuff to you say. can make a trailer out of. Oh but yeah, not, but not a, a lot of trailer shots. Yeah, a lot of trailer shots. You know what has a lot of trailer shots? The new Joker movie. <laughs> um. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. How about that? How about that Lion King trailer? By the way. Uh. I yeah. I. It. I. Uh, it's all right. I think it's going to be a king like no king was before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, do very well I did find myself um laughing at the end of that trailer when they're really we away. I was like, I don't know, I'm I'm kind of won over a little bit by that. I think that the casting for those two I, characters I think they meant laughing like at it and I was like, wow. No, I just I know I was I found myself laughing along with it. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." I was like, I like So, I haven't seen the trailer. Does this trailer at all hint more at its musical roots other yeah. than that moment? Uh, I mean, there's the montage that they they sort of but like, they're not giving you a They sense replicate, that but they don't have the song that's okay. a part of it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was just curious. Yeah. There's also, uh, they don't really show the animals moving their mouths when they're talking. Oh, good. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good sign. That's a great sign. Fucking <laughs> PETA. <laughs> You're going to blame PETA for this yeah. shit? Yeah. That's a good sign. You can't have them moving their mouths, okay? It's inhumane. <laughs> Those aren't real animals. No, but they're based on real animals. Yeah. We can't we can't show violence against animals Jesus. that aren't real. I get that, and it's like I understand. But there's like lots the, of animals at, that are dying. At the, the same Lion time, King. it's Lion King, and there's a circle of life, and just like fuck mortality. Yeah, that message is kind of weird in a children's film. By the way, everything in this area belongs to us, and it also. All has to be in a circle in a place. It's wow, like, it's almost as if like who actually wrote this story? Billy Shakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everything belongs to us. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Everything belongs to us. But everything the so- everything the the sun touches is ours. Yeah, yeah. The Muf- sun will may- never set on Muf- the British Muf- Empire. Mufasa is basically the Earl of Grantham. Like it- he's basically <laughs> yeah from Downton Abbey, who's like. We love working with people as long as we live in the big house. Yeah. Like, and he had the dog named Isis. 
Yeah, that's actually true. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a little weird. It, 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 it's not a good look in it's, the later seasons. Yeah, it's really not. When they're crying because Isis dies in the later season, that's just sad. Thanks for ruining it for me. I'm that's okay. Now I, can, the, now I actually the, want to watch it. The fucking show jumped two to three years every season. That dog was not going to survive the show. Here's Maggie Smith. It just, she's still there. Well, she's Damn. Maggie Smith. She's like 80 in the first season. It's but 20 years in between. It's the early 1900s. Hey, man, they, they saying, live very long. You haven't lived. <laughs> Women t- outlive men. No, it's, they don't. Yes, they the do. Life expectancy then was like 50. Yeah, well, she had a very she had a very cushy life, True. and she also had good genes. She doesn't even know what a weekend is. Doesn't even know what a weekend is. Uh, because I'm just saying, you haven't that. lived until you've seen a bunch of British aristocrats crying and sobbing and saying, Isis is gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> so yeah um, if only they had the Indian burial ground Isis is back oh but it's it's scarier than before we really can't have anything oh my god oh my god fucking British so back to Pet Cemetery um yeah, I, I just think it's an abject failure all around. I thought the first half was decent, but it really tanked. And I was very disappointed in um, the Rachel storyline because that's one of the most affecting parts of the original and uh, of the of the novel from what I would presume. Uh, but here, it's such an afterthought by the time Rachel is mixed up within the climax when it's supposed to inform the climax and her actions. And, and I know who saw it, um, you had kind of laughed and agreed with Kenny, and mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about that moment. Yeah, let's talk When about he that. mentioned, how, you know, it's like you got married and you never talked about That's how I felt when I was in the theater. Yeah, I, I will say, I don't really, I'm not going to defend however it was acted in this movie, yeah. but I do think but the realism in general is supposed to be more of just like they've had this fight a million times. And they keep thinking. And I'm not saying that that's how it's presented in this. Version. No, that's not how it's presented right. in this film. It feels like it's like we've never talked. Like, like what, what was that? I was going to ask you the same thing. I was just like the way they they phrase that. And and, just but like, even though we've never talked about it, that also kind of makes a little bit of sense because he will not talk to her about death or whatever because of the sister, and she will not talk about death as anything other than a purely evangelical so, Christian. So their respective like perspectives on death, whereas he has this very clinical, matter-of-fact, scientific, yes. sort of like agnostic, if not man athe- of science, atheist, woman of atheist like, yeah, like yeah. A- a- atheist man, woman of faith, sort of dynamic. And then that's also reversed with him, just like sort of like, he goes from like man of science to to full on a cult, yeah. like let's just let's just go right down that which, road. Which actually, yeah, and that's. Kind of, I mean, if 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 a if you're given factually something that could be that, yeah, and also too, you are in a desperation place where the occult is science. Yeah, you'll you'll fucking believe anybody will tell you anything. Yeah, very interesting. Tell you the fucking sky is black, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, it is at it, night. Yeah, <laughs> Nick. Uh, you, well, we're kind of on this a little bit. You had mentioned something uh, regarding when I was reading Kenny's review about his thought on the uh, the parents uh, and the fact of them not talking about these issues beforehand and that you had some thoughts on that. Well, that was my main thought, which is that I actually buy it in any version if, they, if, it's, if it's something that they haven't discussed because the two of them have always uh, pented this up for 
different reasons. Her reason being that she doesn't want to face what uh, you know has happened to her as a trauma, uh, as a trauma as her childhood, and so therefore she's just been locked steady as from that point on that something good must have happened to her due to the just horrible reality that uh, existed for her on Earth, whereas he's never also had to think about it twice because he's always wanted to be a doctor and always wanted to prevent that from very thing from happening and whatnot. And so I believe that the two of them never really had to discuss it with each other because they were consenting adults and it wasn't until a child in their life had to ask the big question of, you know, what is this? Um, what is death? So, and, and, you know, in the other version, I, I'll say this too, there's a lot more of these, like, like when Ellie brings it up between the two of them, there's a lot more of these kind of pained looks between the couple instead of just Jason Clark vomiting out the script and then uh, Amy Simons is kind of going, what, 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 what? Uh, it, it's a lot more of this kind of, like, I like he looks at her and at Rachel and is like, yeah, sorry, I'm going to do this. And then, like, well, <laughs> there's nothing in the afterlife, whatever. And then she looks at him like, fuck you. Haven't we talked about this a million times? Right. Like, So I, it, I do think it was kind of presented wrong here, but I do buy the fact that they don't really have this talk uh, often because they neither one of them. One is just convinced well, by Well, they might have just it, had the argument and then it just sort of like ended in one of those stalemates where they just like quietly agree to disagree. Well, and, and he... What in this uh, particular? I haven't seen the other one, but in this film particularly, um, when they are faced with actually a thing that could lead to them having to physically talk to their children, at least Ellie about this, uh, they choose to just kind of say, "Yeah, he ran away," which is mm-hmm. actually, um, you know what? And I guess since it's a child, I mean, I'm, I'm it, not not harping on this too much, but I feel like that's actually so much worse. Oh, yeah. the, the idea of no, he ran away because he doesn't fucking like you anymore, as yeah. opposed to, he got run over by a truck in a freak accident. Like, yeah. she'll understand that Church just doesn't care for her anymore. Honestly, if all they had to do was say, yeah, he got ran over by a truck, so don't fucking go out in the street, Ellie! That would have solved a lot of problems, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes uh, that really is well, better. you know, the other thing, too, is I also think that the... <laughs> He ran away. He went to a farm as a product of the 80s and earlier. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying people don't say that nowadays, but I do think we're slightly more informed about... He went to a farm. What farm? Yeah. What farm? But I, I, I do think that's kind of an antiquated thing. I haven't heard of anybody in a while that, like, blatantly said that that's what they told. Yeah, well, the problem is the time we live in. If you said that, I'd be like, which fucking farm? Right, yeah, but, that's, farm? but yeah. that's what I mean, though, that, that yeah. it, it was written in the 80s, yeah. if not uh, maybe earlier. But So uh, that's another thing where if you're remaking something for a reason, you have to think about how a story... What's up, Tucson? Nothing. I'm just thinking about the protein farm from Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> like, he went to that farm. Why the fuck did he go to that farm? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, and that is another one of those things where it's like you actually have to read the script before you rewrite the script uh, and not just copy-paste. Yeah. Really quick before we go to our final ratings, yes. there is something about this uh, film that I also didn't care for. There's a, actually, there are so many things. Yeah, actually, I, I thought Crack were, open the crypt. There were there parts of this, thing, this film that were not terrible, uh, as I hopefully hit on those a little bit. But at the same time, I'm... I'm a little confused about what John Lithgow's 
character is going for here of why he brings him back. Like I get him saying, "Oh, I saw Ellie." Why and he brings she... the cat back? Yeah, yeah, because he, he saw he see he Ellie sees... was the first. Yes, yeah. I get that, but literally. Like five minutes earlier, he's also explaining about how he did the same thing with his dog, and then they had to fucking murder his he dog. He thought that it was because his dog had a mean streak already before he died. Okay, and and I say that that really whatever, but... that the the resurrection just amplified that mean streak, and he knew I, that cat to be kind, I, and he thought that yeah, it wasn't it okay. wasn't necessarily the 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 properties of the soil, but rather okay. the properties okay. of the animal okay. that were then that, augmented that, by that. That may make sense if he doesn't know the entire story surrounding that place he literally reads off saying all these people left here and did not come back because it's haunted like it's funny that you're complaining about this for good reason because this movie does actually cut out something that would only strengthen your case which is that um he in the original version in the novel tells a grand tale about a person that somebody clearly did. I mean, I know you saw newspaper clipping, yeah. but like he knows of an actual case where he goes on and on about this horrific uh, version of events where basically he knows that a family did this for one of their ch- uh, adult sons, and it was like fucking awful, and the whole town showed up to do like fucking torch and pitchfork uh, that they needed to murder the the guy, um, and that's completely absent from here, and. I've always thought of it as he only did it for the cat because of what Toussaint said as far as that the dog did have a mean trick, but also because, like, animals, I just think he thinks that, like, are more imperceptible of, like, personality change, especially a cat, which is so fucking aloof and whatnot, Mm -hmm. that he really thought that he was only dipping the toe in the pond. Right. And I also think it's time heals a lot of things. Like, he hasn't done any of that shit for at least 50 years. So I do think you have a rose-colored look at, right. like, maybe, maybe this can... Like, maybe I can do this one thing in order to make sure that this little girl that I care about isn't sad without cracking open the entire fucking door. And I'm just like, no, it's either open or closed. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense for me because yeah, okay. it's it's... And not only that, but he also... He kind of doesn't. He doesn't do it. He tricks, and I kind of feel like there's something interesting about that too as a character, mm-hmm. which is like I think that's a, a almost subconscious admission of guilt, like almost precognition of like God. I really hope this works, but also like I'm gonna let you do it because you did a good job. Yeah, take a drag off my cigarette. You did I, a good job. I genuinely job, think Lewis. that that's like a distancing effect of yeah. like no, I think this will work. Like. Yeah. But then it's like, well, why, why wouldn't you just go do it? You know what I mean? And then to for that, so I, I'm, I'm all here for that. Because if something bad happens, then it's, then it's his fault. But see, like he's already the one who's instigating it, but he's still, yeah, trying to put at least a, a distance of culpability, um, between him and Lewis and, and the cat. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I feel like that whole section of the film felt really messy to me. Yeah, I wanted to see the Wendigo. Uh, so going to final ratings, I overall thought this was a very mediocre film. Uh, I thought for every part of it that I enjoyed, there was one that equally was not as good or even worse. Um, I, I thought that there were some really solid horror moments throughout here, uh, specifically probably in the middle portion of this film where I think this film finds its best sort of rhythm. Uh, specifically the scene where Church the Cat has gone downstairs 
uh, and the mother, I believe, I think it's the mother, not the father, is going after uh, him. And it's a very off-putting moment where you don't really know what's going to happen, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like something terrible. So it's just, it's just very... I don't want to say heart racing, but at the same time in the theater, I was very interested and almost on the edge of my seat watching this very mundane moment happen, which I think the film did a very good job with. Um, And again, I will say other than the beeping car, which I agree with Tucson is fucking stupid. uh, That final image I actually think was quite wonderful. Um, This idea of this force taking over now and almost going to perhaps start to consume one by one uh this and you know turn into something that you cannot stop um i I find that that very interesting and definitely i'm very appreciative of uh it being almost the inverse of what the uh, original source material was so uh there are a lot of parts of this that i enjoyed but at the same time um this is a very sloppy film that that could have used a lot of uh work on the on the rewrites and it really just felt like a film that they just wanted to get out there and strike while the iron is hot on the Stephen King uh, name. So uh, it's two and a half out of five for me for Pet Cemetery, as I, I thought this was just okay. I went to go see this film last night, and I have already pretty much forgotten at least half of it. Within a week, I will have forgotten I have watched this film at all. It is un- utterly unremarkable. It is boring. It is dumb. I'm going to give it a... One and a half out of five, only on the principle that I did jump during the jump scares, even though they are very fucking stupid, and I love John Lithgow, and that's pretty much the only sort of curve that I'm willing to grade this film on. Yeah, I would not recommend this. Yeah, I'm going to echo that and give it a one and a half out of five, because uh, there were some shots I liked, and there were some moments that I thought was, you know, uh, executed well enough. Um, but ultimately, I just thought this was a failure um, in 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 adaptation terms uh it just completely whiffs on understanding what makes stephen king's original story scary but uh even more so just affecting and kind of the reason why a story like pet cemetery stays with you is not because of a scary cat or a dumb waiter it's because of the choice that the characters make and the choices the characters make in this movie are just dumb and not inf- informed by irrational thought and not even and not grief. even horror movie dumb it's no, just, just it's just regular dumb yeah and you get the idea that they're only doing this because it's an adaptation and so it was written somewhere that they did these things yeah. <laughs> um so yeah overall i just thought it was largely kind of a a failure. I mean, I don't think it's like a horrible movie, but I definitely think it's a very pointless one. This is the kind of film that I could easily um, imagine in like a home release with like the director's commentary and um, uh, Easter eggs and shit like that. It's like, oh yeah, we put an Easter egg. We actually put the script on one of the tables because somebody <laughs> had to keep on reading the lines over because they kept on forgetting what they had to do. Yeah, that's what I would expect from this film because it's just so it's so brain dead. Yeah, and one other thing I'll say is that I'm sorry, but I will take the cheesiness of the 80s production over this one because the ultimate climax with Gage running amok uh, as a weirdly uh, dead, 
undead toddler. I'm the baby, gotta love me. Um, just giggling and cackling in a demonic voice as he's then euthanized by his own father is way more affecting than anything that was in this film. Yeah. Okay. If you out there have any thoughts on either this film, the original Pet Cemetery, or the Stephen King novel, always feel free to uh, find us uh, either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, although you don't really share opinions on Instagram, uh, at Film Tank Show, or you can always just send us an email at filmtankshow at gmail.com. This episode and all our other episodes are on our website, filmtankshow.com. Also, they are on iTunes or Stitcher. And also, too, if you could rate slash review, um, very much appreciated, as uh, those are the kind of things that somewhat make a difference. We love you. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, uh, as we chatted about a little bit earlier, I think we're going to talk about Black Swan. Black Swan. While we've been doing this episode, <laughs> I've actually uh, reached out to a, one of our usual uh, friends who joins us here. Who is it? 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 Trying, trying hard. And I, I thought she would uh, enjoy it, uh, this kind of episode. That's Sam, again. Oh, yeah. It's Sam. And I think she'll, she'll, she'll have good opinions on, on, on that, too. She has is great opinions. Well, yes. Yeah. But um, in, uh, that film in particular. But yeah. Thanks, Tucson, for making it awkward. <laughs> I never want to hear you say she has great opinions in that tone again. I'm sorry. Yeah, that sounds a little inappropriate, but that's fine. Anyways, I know what you meant. Yeah. It's, all, it's totally good. So anyways, we'll be talking about Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan and not be talking about Mother uh, again on, on our next episode. So from Nick Cheney, hey. Tucson Egan, hey. and the Pet Cemetery, hey. I am Alex Steakman. Thank you very much, as always, for uh, listening to us here at Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. Hey. hey.